Oh, and I'm not drinking tonight because I got to go to work tomorrow. Uh, I, on the other hand, that's the benefit of living in the uh, in the city. Thank you so much. Look at that sound um, effect. Uh huh. That wasn't a sound effect. That was a real effect. <laughs> there we go. Wait, what is this episode brought to you by? Big Wave Golden Ale. I feel like we should have done that when we did that comic about the guy in mourning, the surfer. <laughs> That's when, that we should have done that. In Waves brought to you by. I think I've already done a jazz version of Fiona Apple's Criminal, but I think that's what I'm going to put at the front of this episode again. It's okay. No one's keeping track. I'm keeping track. Uh, all right. <laughs> anyway, uh, should we do this so I can go back to making a sales deck? For- yeah, let, let's do this so you can kind of get back to the fun creative work. I've been a bad, bad girl. I've been careless with a delicate man. And it's a sad, sad world. When a girl will break a boy just because she can. Don't you tell me to deny it. I've been wrong and I want to suffer for my Hey, Ryan, you know what we don't talk about often enough here on Fourteen Comics? Cats. No, I was going to say crime. Well, I feel we do talk a lot about Asian hate crimes, but you're right. You know, we don't talk enough about crimes against white people. <laughs> Some of my best friends are white. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I was actually going to say how we should re-examine not just how our society defines crime, but who are the people who define what a crime is, and what are the circumstances that drive those we deem criminals to choose the life of crime? I feel like San Francisco tried that experiment, and it didn't go so well. But I think, Robin, we should maybe just just read a comic about tightly dressed people in ridiculous yet suggestive costumes jumping around on rooftops. What do you say we do that instead? I'm Roman Segel. I'm Ryan Joe. And we are two dudes who are two dudes talking about a lady in a cat suit. Meow. Meow, <laughs> baby. This week on Quarantine Comics, our journey continues through the alphabet, where the C is not just for crime, but about everyone's favorite cat-themed criminal. Sheer Khan from The Jungle Book. Uh, no close, Ryan. I'm actually talking about Catwoman, Bruce Wayne's on-again, off-again romantic love interest. Well, that seems very reductive, Roman. I mean, Selena Kyle is so much more than just an object slash accessory to the Bat family. I mean, she's Michelle Pfeiffer, for God's sake. That's exactly right, Ryan. Catwoman is so much more than that. Despite what portrayals by Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather, Eartha Kitt, Michelle Pfeiffer, Halle Berry. That Halle Berry portrayal was seminal. Anne Hathaway or Zoe Kravitz would have you believe Selena Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman, has the potential to be a much more nuanced character in modern comics. As nuanced as being dressed in a form-fitting catsuit can be, at least. Meow, you do it. But oh my god. Actually... You wrote that. For the record, Roman wrote that one. 
there was a live long and prosper cat find that I found as well, but I couldn't. I would, I would have to, you know, th- this is probably why your pipes flooded, all the shit coming out. <laughs> but actually, way back when in 2002, now acclaimed crime fiction writer Ed Brubaker attempted to do just that, redefine a sexual icon into a feminist one in his seminal run in reboot of Catwoman. Beyond having Selena drop her hypersexualized life of supercrime, Brubaker created a more low-key, street-level portrayal of the character, returning her to the east end of Gotham, a forgotten working-class part of the city. Paired with a number of artists, including the late Darwin Cook, Cameron Stewart, and Mike Allred, ironically, all also dudes, they masterfully created a less sexualized version of Selena. She's joined by her best friend Holly, Private Eye Slam Bradley, and Dr. Leslie Thompson to confront the demons of her past and present. But Roman, that honestly doesn't feel like enough Catwoman for this podcast. That's right, old chum. It wasn't. Because we then also decided to read 2022's Catwoman Lonely City, the acclaimed miniseries by Cliff Chang, which ventures into the not-too-distant future to follow a middle-aged Selena Kyle as she investigates a conspiracy related to the death of Batman some 10 years prior. Almost all the Bat family is gone, and she's left with her wits, a handful of super criminal friends and foes, some of whom have infiltrated City Hall. Yes, that's a lot of Catwoman rumen. It is. But unlike a lot of Catwoman out there, this was the good Catwoman, or at least the Catwoman befitting a podcast of this stature. But Ryan, something tells me from your tone that you may have felt differently. So tell me, how did you find these two very distinct runs on Catwoman? I did not like the Brubaker one, but I kind of enjoyed the Cliff Chang run. They were very, very different. And I think the Brubaker run... We reviewed another Brubaker book before. It was Pulp, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that one I I enjoyed, but that one was kind of short. And I feel like Brubaker, over an extended period of time, kind of wears out his welcome. Brew much Brubaker? Ah, uh, yes. Thank you. But What do you like about... You are a big fan of Ed Brubaker, though. You know, because you also wanted to read Criminal, which I have not read. Yeah, I'm not a big Brubaker you know, geek like you are. Part of it is probably, I just never really got him that much. Mm-hmm. So what's your take on this Catwoman? I'm actually kind of curious because you responded to this one in a, in a differently than I did. Yeah, I mean, I think without knowing it, I think this probably was probably my first exposure to Ed Brubaker. This was in a time when, you know, I was getting into DC Comics because of all the writers they were bringing in. And they the writers were coming in on books like The Flash and Green Lantern. But, you know, you couldn't help but pick up the the bigger heroes like Batman and Superman and things like Kingdom Come. And as I'm kind of picking up all the Batman books, Robin, Nightwing, you know, they reboot Catwoman. And it didn't look anything like other comics that were coming out. I think the only cartoony artist showing up in comics was Phil Hester in Kevin Smith's Green Arrow run, another book I want to read. But first, it, it was a more cartoony look. And I don't know if that's Brubaker's choice, but it really pairs well with his style to kind of have this very pulpy, almost cartoony feel to Catwoman. So it, it's the one thing that almost like decontextualizes the sexualization that Catwoman is known for. I think the prior run, which a lot of young teenage boys were familiar with, was the the famous Jim Ballant run. Yeah. She's in like the tight purple costume. Like she was one of the bad girls of the 90s. And this just completely unplugged that. And obviously Brubaker went on to do like Winter Soldier for Captain America. He went on to do Criminal, which is like a long-standing series, which we really thought about reading. But it was a street-level aspect to it. It was Catwoman's just a reformed criminal but she's kind of running around on the street dealing with kind of street level problems with drug dealers and a corrupt city hall. It was before I even watched the wire. It was 
just kind of this interrogation of the things that are kind of wrong with society that that paint the pictures of who is a criminal and who isn't. And obviously there's a pretty interesting story as well of Selena and occasionally some super villains. Black Mask comes in eventually. Honestly, by the end, it got really weak once it started to get into all the other Batman stuff that was going on. Even once the more cartoony creators kind of left Brubaker, they brought in kind of more traditional, I hate to say it, Catwoman artists that brought back the sexualization of it. And the story just got really weak. So um, I just kind of enjoyed the simplicity of it. And I think that's what Brubaker does really well. He just picks a few people that are relatable is probably the wrong word, but characters that you think could exist in this world versus these kind of like characters. I wonder if my issue with it, because when was this run? 2004, 2007? 2002, 2003. Oh, 2002. Yeah. Okay, so this is literally right after the Jim Ballant purple yeah. suit. I remember like that one's famous because she just like, her breasts were like improbably it's all large. Poses. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then, you know, the cat woman that we see now that kind of persists is the one with, she's kind of has, she, I mean, she wears leather. She's very slinky, but she has the, you know, she's kind of like fully covered up. She has the, the goggles. That's the other thing. And that's sort of like the version of Catwoman that I guess. So the Brubaker's version, Darwin Cook Brubaker, they, that was kind of like the first incarnation yep. of that Catwoman. And then it's been mm-hmm. like that. That's kind of persisted for the past 20 years. And so I think maybe my issue then is that a lot of these tricks, these things that seem sort of fresh and new in early 2000 you know, it feels a little stale because, you know, maybe they were very successful and people have sort of replicated it. The sort of street level aspect, there've been a lot of superheroes that are trying to be more grounded. I mean, fair, let me to be fair. I mean, this, this Catwoman is actually sort of like, she comes from the Frank Miller year one world, right? Because there's that character, Holly, who's her sidekick. And mm-hmm. that character first appeared in year one so it's kind of an extension in, in, the, in year one the they miller. i think i think i think it was in frank miller's year one i could be wrong but they recast catwoman from being or they kind of like retconned her from being this like super criminal cat burglar from being a woman who grew up as a prostitute right and started with that life right and i think that they don't explicitly say it but definitely like her friendship with holly you know holly was a prostitute and holly is a prostitute in batman year one so you kind of have that sort of narrative connection between the miller and it makes sense because miller was his interest in superheroes was having them deal with street level crime the reason i don't like brubaker at least here is because even though I, I kind of admired some of what he was doing, like he has the first ep- issue is sort of like this heist. The second issue is, you know, a gumshoe is trying to find, you know, who Selena, the, the death of Selena Kyle. So, you know, I kind of like mm-hmm. him playing with these pulpy forms, but I feel like his characters ultimately are really, really stock and predictable. Mm-hmm. They feel like archetypes. There's the grizzled, pi you know mm-hmm. who's wary he, there's a plucky young sidekick who's always getting into trouble and there's selena kyle who's sort of like the the femme fatale the woman with a trouble past but who has a heart of gold and <laughs> i've seen those characters so many times and i understand that pretty much every you know detective story will have some variation of those characters but i do wish that brubaker had done more with those archetypes 
and made them a little bit more interesting because I could kind of figure out, like almost write the dialogue in my head before I actually read what Brubaker wrote. And it usually kind of just aligned. And so there weren't (laughs) any real surprises for me in terms of who the characters were and how they interacted with each other. Let me ask another question, and it comes up a lot. So this was your first time reading the Brubaker Catwoman, right? Yeah. or did you read it back in the day? I know this is. Yeah, I, I think my reaction might be have been different if I had read it in two thousand and two, two thousand and three. I probably would have liked it more because it would have seemed much fresher to me. And and also, I've read a lot of detective novels in that time, and you know, a lot of like like Donald Westlake and Lawrence Block, and you know, I can kind of see where Ed Brubaker gets his inspiration and back then i might not have been as cognizant of that yeah it's kind of like it's a weird parallel but like back in the day when we first discovered alex ross this guy bringing hyper-realistic painting to a world of comics that has never seen it and then obviously fast forward 20 years we've all seen steve rogers on the big screen right we've seen superman and batman on the big screen far too many times since then and one i i I don't disagree brubaker is probably pulling from a well that back then wasn't brought into comics form. He was one of the first writers to kind of bring these kind of crime archetypes and stock characters and stock plot devices to comics. But in a world of like Batman, Nightfall, and, you know, the Justice League and all these things, this was kind of not done back then. So it was kind of very fresh and new. And I I was kind of bracing to not enjoy it the second time because i kind of knew what i was getting into and it was honestly and we were talking about this right before we started recording i as with all of these writers who do these kind of seminal runs even like grant morrison on a new x-men i i I still found the first 10 to 20 issues of this like 37 issue run by brubaker really fresh and i enjoyed it but it just starts to peter out because the shtick gets old but then they also try to experiment experiment in a bad way with you know okay now let's take this pretense and now let's 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 modernize it let's bring it into the bat universe and the bat family more and that's where it just starts to fall apart yeah it's actually interesting because the first couple of episodes especially issues the ones that were illustrated by darwin cook who by the way is one of my favorite artists that was catwoman as isolated as she's ever been right she's on the run she has to come back to gotham and she has nothing and she needs this one big score to really just get on her feet. And then throughout the issues, she starts to amass friends from the private eye to Holly, her sister, Dr. Leslie Tompkins, who's a recurring Batman character. And then, and then as it goes on, she starts to integrate into the greater DC universe with Hawkman and Captain Cold. And there's team ups with like Wildcat, other superheroes. And yeah, I, I hear your point. She, it becomes much more ensconced in the usual dc superhero stuff it becomes much less ambitious than you know it's actually interesting looking at some of the later issues and comparing it to like the just even visually the darwin cook issues the the first two darwin cook issues when it felt like brubaker was genuinely trying to do something new yeah and and i mean i think to your point like the kind of femme fatale elements of it Again, some archetypes, but kind of pulling out to, and again, it, it is this kind of irony that it's a bunch of dudes who are handling this creation, even in Cliff Chang later on in Lonely City. But she felt like a much more empowered character, like things weren't happening to her, or even if things were happening to her, she could kind of 
handle what the world was throwing at her. Batman shows up occasionally, Slam or Wildcat show up, but they're accessories. They're the sidekicks. Yeah. I, I want to say one thing that struck me the second time. So Catwoman Lonely City, I ran read it as it was coming out, and the final issue just came out, so I did a fresh reread this time around. But this comic book that is Cliff Chang's almost like love letter to Catwoman. There's two young characters, teen, young teenage characters in the book who are just kind of civilians helping Catwoman out. And the first one is this like young dude and uh, young Asian dude. And he's like, oh, I used to have a poster of you on my wall. And Selena's like, oh, right. which one? And he's like the Jim Ballant one, the one in the purple costume. And she kind of rolls her eyes. And then later on, they meet a young half black girl, the Riddler's daughter. I can't remember her name. And she's also enamored with Catwoman. She's like, oh, my God, I had a poster of you on the wall. And she's like, oh, which one? And she's like, you know, the badass one with the goggles. And she's like, yeah. And I think. I, I, that statement is something I just really appreciated about Ed Brubaker's run. Is it just kind of desexualized is the wrong word because she still has all of her like she uses it as a weapon and a power, but she's not relying on it. She is not only that, right? She might be the archetype of the femme fatale with the heart of gold, blah blah blah, with the dark past, the heart of gold. But it just it's a more empowered. I'd let my daughter read Catwoman. Yeah. Right. Thing. Yeah, I totally get that. My issue, this is kind of going back to the Brubaker run. So one of my issues, I think, with Catwoman is that when she's a villain or a quasi-villain, she's much more interesting because you have no idea what she's going to do. She's inherently self-serving. Sometimes she'll do the right thing. Oftentimes she won't. There's The Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman, yeah. There is this tension, you know, with her in terms of, like, what she's going to do. And I feel... With Brubaker, she really became a hero. And there are times when she's tempted to steal, but it's mostly like she's in grief and she's kind of like falling back into her old habits. There isn't that moral ambiguity. She, you know that she's going to essentially do the right thing. And I kind of miss not her being kind of a loose cannon or her being a little bit more flawed doing things that are a little self-serving or very self-serving can you do that when she's the main character yeah like when oh, yeah, she's yeah, yeah. the villain of the week is it's oh, yeah. it's easier to be unpredictable i mean the thing is that you make her this so this is my issue with superheroes in general is that they have to be archetypes and you can't mm -hmm. let them be people people are flawed people make mistakes people do stupid shit not always accountable for it and I feel like with a lot of superheroes, because, you know, we're kids, you know, kids project themselves into them. They always kind of have to do the right thing and, you know, be, stand for the noble cause. But that is boring. And you also have to reset the clock at the end of your run. How do you leave yeah. the character in a place another writer can pick it There's up? Not, right, right, right. And, and again, the character can't change, really, mm. because... If they do, you know, then right, the other character can't really the other the next writer is might be kind of find himself or herself in a hole. So, so I don't know if you can do that in a, with an ongoing character, especially when you have some sort of ed probably there's some sort of editorial control where they're like, oh no, you can't mm -hmm. do this, you can't fuck up the character like that, you can't have her do that. She mm -hmm. has to be the hero. There are probably rules that you have to adhere to, which prevents them from being as interesting as they can be. But you know. To my point, though, it's it's still much less interesting. And Catwoman was very interesting when she functioned as an antagonist to Batman. And there is that tension between doing the right thing and stealing the necklace. And you're never fully 
sure what she's going to do, or she might look like she's doing the right thing, but at the same time, she's going to line her pockets. And I miss... But, but again, that that's where I think when Catwoman is not the title character, you can get away with that uncertainty. Once you make the whole series an examination, and, and examination is probably the wrong word, because all you can examine is what's there. The, the, the character cannot have massive leaps. They just have to kind of have small notches of change. So because the character has changed over the decades, I'd make the argument, yeah. through small runs like this. But there's small notch changes. But you lose every, what makes her special. Every... You lose what makes her interesting. You know, that mm. attitude that, you know, that, that Catwoman always had. And that mm-hmm. the fact that she, you know, hey, man, there's a necklace there. I'm going to steal it. doesn't matter. The, the amorality, you know, and when she does mm. do the right thing. It's always sort of like a bit of a shock. And I, I understand, you know, maybe, you know, the DC editors, Brubaker, they wanted her to be likable. They wanted her to be relatable. And she is. But in that sort of generic superhero way, where her personality is now kind of indistinguishable from any other superhero. That, you know, she's a little bit tortured. Mm-hmm. She's a little bit conflicted sometimes. But ultimately, she's going to do the right thing. And she's going to try real hard to do it. And, you know, it's about human dignity. And... Mm. so fast forwarding how is that different from the Catwoman of lonely city even though it's like an elseworlds alternate future story she still kind of has that moral compass that was kind of written into her in the brubaker run i'm glad you asked it's not but it's not what i liked about the cliff chang run what i liked about the cliff chang run is you know she has all of these encounters with all of these other heroes and villains 20 years later 20 years 10 years after the death of batman and they are all very, very colorful. And so I actually kind of enjoyed seeing these these personalities. Where are they flash. now? Yeah. I liked the version of Poison Ivy and how she's a bit of a fangirl. And when, you know, she's, you know, when Catwoman kind of says, oh, you were perfect. Poison Ivy's like, yes, yes. You know, you said it. You yeah. said it. Yeah. I like, you know, the Riddler, you know, he, you know, they're, they're reminiscing and, Catwoman's like, yeah, you wore that unitard and you had that cane. And it's a picture of the Jim Carrey Batman Riddler. And he says, I was I was doing a lot of coke back then. <laughs> it's just like, okay. <laughs> I kind of enjoyed those moments. And in a way, it kind of masked some of the issues I had with a Brubaker run. Because with a Brubaker run, I got, you know, the characters were just so stock that I was just like, okay, well, let's just pay attention to the plot. Uh, the plot is the usual superhero stuff. And in the Cliff Chang run, you're right. The Catwoman character is still fundamentally, she's going to do the right thing. The plot is, I don't even know what the F the plot <laughs> was, what they were trying to get. The, the, why, the, where, the fascist what, future what? mayor is, you know, like controlling yeah, privacy and blah, blah, blah. And Orpheus and the stuff. I don't know who cares, but I was okay with that because I was just listening to how all of these characters are interacting with each other. And that kind of masked some of the other issues that I might've had if everyone was a lot more, you know, boring. I feel like all the supporting cast around Selena, around Catwoman in the Cliff Chang run, they all kind of really popped and kind of made the whole book very lively. Oh, it, was, Especially- it, it had a, I mean, they had the whole heist archetype, <clears throat> even though right. a lot of the characters were coming in and out. It was very kind of Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, everyone is very distinct, right? It versus the heist that Brubaker wrote, there's the grizzled old, you know, former love interest who's kind of a master criminal. And then there's a the kid who you know, likes to gamble. And that's kind of 
it. Everything else they talk about is sort of exposition versus in the Cliff Chang run. It's sort of like you can kind of see them. There's moments where they're geeking out about the past and Catwoman is sort of like the exasperated mom being like, guys, can we concentrate, please? You know, and, and those moments I, I, I really liked. So that's why I like the Cliff Chang run more than the Brubaker run, even though there were similarities and even though there were some issues, some of the same issues, I feel like the Cliff Chang run kind of distracted me from those issues. <laughs> what did you think? What was your thoughts on the Cliff Chang run, especially after the second read through? I mean, I'm a sucker for stories that don't have to hold or kowtow to like continuity, right? So in Lonely City, Batman is dead. Two faces the mayor. What happened? So it's this weird, it's kind of the same reason I really enjoyed White Knight. Okay, let's create an alternate future, alternate universe. What happened? And let's just run with it. Now, what White Knight has chosen to do is let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's make a brand new continuity and a universe of this. What Lonely City did was, okay, we're going to insert you into this world. Just accept that all this shit happened. And we're going to run it through to its conclusion. We're going to tell, we're going to give you a movie and it's done. Like, you know, I think we read 37 issues of Brubaker and it took just shy of a week to do it because it's like 37 times, say, 20 pages. You know, that's 720 pages. Catwoman Lonely City was like 200 pages in and out. It was a short movie versus the Brubaker run was just kind of a it's, a it's a serialized comic. You know, three years worth of comics is what we read versus Cliff Chang's was like a one year arc, a miniseries. And. I think what I genuinely appreciate, what I'm finding I appreciate more of, serialized comics were a nice companion for us to grow up with, mm. but I tire of them. That's why I stopped buying monthly issues. I prefer runs or short stories or encapsulated stories. I think you and I both prefer stories that aren't about established characters, but this was something familiar with kind of a different twist. A lot of fun things happening, like... Killer Croc was arguably oh, one of my yeah. favorite characters. I like Killer. How could I forget Killer Croc? Yeah, I you know I I the bet he's the plucky sidekick, right? Yeah, like versus Holly. Yeah, and there's a sort of nobility to him as well, which I I kind of found sort of touching. He's he's a little simple, you know. She's like Catwoman's like, let's just go and ransack the Batcave because she needs to break in to get something, but she doesn't really give Croc all of those details. He doesn't really know the plan. He just is just gonna go there and he's they're gonna just like make a mess of things for all he knows, and he's like totally happy to to go along with it. And I, and I like how a lot of the plans that Catwoman has kind of goes wrong and kind of unpredictable Every, every issue, the plan fails, Yeah, right. the plan fails. Versus comparing it to the Brubaker thing, you know, the, the, the plan kind of fails in a way that's, oh, the bad guys hear about it and they kind of intercept and then there's these, you know. Well, it's in the Brubaker run, in the Brubaker run, she has that Ubermenchian, she's the best at everything. Yeah. I mean, it's young Catwoman in her prime. And it's something they get right off the bat in the first issue of Cliff Chang's run is, her knees aren't what they used to yes. be. Yes. There's a vulnerability. Yeah. Things go wrong in the Cliff Chang run because the characters fuck up. And in the Brubaker run, you know, like, like just going back to that first heist scene, things go wrong because there's some sort of like the, the criminals catch wind of the, of, the, of the heist plans. And that's mm -hmm. a lot less interesting versus sort of like, oh, Killer Croc is a little bit like too overzealous and he just kind of fucks shit up a little bit too much, you know? That I like, right? You you have these flaws. You have these vulnerabilities. With Catwoman, there's a scene where she's, you know, about to get caught. So she's hangs on the ceiling, but, you know, mm -hmm. her body is not quite what it used to be. And so she's kind of really struggling and it's kind of fucking her up. Again, I really, 
I really like that. I like the fact that her her costume has to have like a knee brace. <laughs> yeah, I think something I just genuinely and it it goes to something I liked about both of these Catwoman stories versus a lot even modern era Catwoman where she plays kind of not just a the maybe the unpredictable foil, maybe the love interest to to Batman Bruce Wayne, but both of these books allowed her to be independent and something else is it really allows you to see her again maybe as a character but as a person and not a sex object both of these kind of stories and that was she's just a really cool hero slash villain and you can make the argument there are more flaws in the cliff chang run in in a good way with the character but it's just even even the cartoony style of both it's and that's been catching on more and more you see it in books like paper girls and stuff like i'm really enjoying this more abstract cartoony view that is kind of showing up in modern comics today because that allows you to kind of frame it and not be grim and gritty and realistic necessarily even when you are telling a grim and gritty crime tale i would recommend you know if you want like a real good crime story illustrated by darwin cook check out his adaptations of the donald westlake parker novels like parker the hunter yeah i've read a couple yeah i mean those and they're all kind of like this in these gray tones so those i mean to me are just are just fantastic because it's got like the really sharp writing this amoral nasty main character and it's got darwin cook's just gorgeous gorgeous artwork so i, I feel like a lot, it captured a lot of what Brubaker was doing in the first run of Catwoman, but in a much more interesting way. I mean, it really kind of showcases Cook's powers as an illustrator, Mm. especially for these sort of stories. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he's done so much. It's that that Darwin Cook, Bruce Timm, Mike Allred style. It just it just it's poppy but it's not cartoony necessarily. The stories can be serious. Yeah, it's um, actually interesting, right? Because it actually, as, as cartoony as it is, it lends itself really well to these sort of noir stories. And I mean, if you think about Bruce Tim. I mean, he's known for Batman the Animated Series, which really embraced the sort of noirish noir. elements yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of Batman, despite being, you know, definitely a, you know, definitively a cartoon. Wasn't made, it did not tr- try to look realistic at all. But I think, you know what, in a way that, that was probably a strength, right? Because you could be really, you could have these like big expressionistic buildings and these these exaggerated gestures, which are sort of the hallmark of noir. These abstract yeah. black shapes that are the shadows, anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, talking to you, I, I appreciate what Brubaker was doing with Catwoman. To me, it feels a little bit like... I've seen this stuff before, but then again, it was written literally 20 years ago, which is kind of crazy. We are old, Raman. And, you know, and the Cliff Chang, you know, he's kind of really embracing the Catwoman history. I mean, really kind of the, the history of, of the Batman movies. And you, you said it was like a love letter to Catwoman. It, it, kind of, it is. And um, if you're into, you know, if you've been kind of following along this mythology of Catwoman and Batman from the 80s movies onward i mean even before really from the 1960s yeah, six, onward yeah you know you're, you're probably you're probably going to get a kick out of what cliff chang is doing well i just because i have to ask in all of the kind of like big screen adaptations do you think one fits your what your idea of catwoman is like that unpredictable kind of nature i mean the michelle pfeiffer one is just you know i mean that was I, I actually watched that 
recently over the new year because it's like actually a really good new year's movie and we and one of my friends had i was watching it with had mentioned it's just like this very kind of 90s version of feminism which it, it kind of is but at the same time it, it still feels very subversive mm. and you know the, the costume is just so iconic and i think the mm-hmm. performance is so big and iconic i mean she and danny devito as a penguin really kind of swallow up the whole movie you almost kind of forget that batman is even in it yeah i mean that that's the first two tim burton movies like yeah tim burton. he that, loves that, the, the villains are he loves the he loves the villains he loves the misfits and uh, you know i mean maybe the problem is that michael keaton couldn't really move in that rubber suit but <laughs> all the same yeah but but yeah it's, it's the michelle pfeiffer catwoman is like to me the definitive cat well eartha kid is good too eartha kid eartha kid i saw those i saw the batman rerun so yeah she's that's another one. Well, there were, and there were three actresses who played Catwoman in in the '60s show. But it's funny when you talk about the unpredictability or the unpredictable nature of Catwoman. Like what came immediately to mind was Michelle Pfeiffer's interpretation. And yeah, I think what I struggle with is I I think the Zoe Kravitz interpretation was loyal to the roots of kind of like selena kyle's backstory but it was just kind of a literal interpretation looked great but it's just what to me my ideal catwoman is kind of the ed brubaker run like despite our our disagreement on it and i don't think that's been done i don't know if hollywood wants to do that but it's genuinely just the more interesting take on it to me and it's kind of disappointing that we haven't seen that or we probably won't see that because we're more interested in seeing michelle pfeiffer or zoe saldana who's your wait who's your favorite Catwoman? i don't i don't have one i mean you don't have a favorite Catwoman. you have to have a favorite you you must preference one or two cat women over all others the the ed brubaker darwin cook run i think it's my favorite like i versus anything else i've seen it's just everything else is kind of weak the Catwoman and batman the animated series but again still a little sexualized kind of does i do appreciate the unpredictable nature She's to take off of the Michelle Pfeiffer one, though. Yeah, yeah. Again, that unpredictable nature that I, I can see the appeal of that. But yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't think I've seen an interpretation. I, I that that that's kind of, I think, the fundamental point of why I wanted to bring the Brubaker run. And I enjoyed the Cliff Chang run because it just felt like a continuation of that Catwoman is I don't think we've actually seen the only good run on Catwoman I've seen, I thought, was the Ed Brubaker one. And I don't be it in TV, film, movies, anything. We haven't seen a really good one except for the this one in my did opinion. you did you have the jim ballant poster on your wall i did not no i did not <laughs> <laughs> well i know what to give you for although Christmas. although you know you know although what i say I'll, t- I'll tell you something this is a good anecdote and I, I kind of brought it back and i think becoming an old person changed that so there's this comic for kids called all yeah titans and it's it's done by art and franco these two artists out of chicago and new york and one of them lives really close to where I live, and they have a comic store called All Yeah Comics. So, and my daughter reads all of All Yeah Comics and All Yeah Titans, and she's seven. And the artist was going to be signing at his store. I found out about this, and so I took my daughter there to to get a to to meet the artist, buy some comics, and he was selling like crayon drawings, eleven by seventeen drawings of all the characters. And I figured she just picked like Raven or Starfire, two characters that she thinks are really cool from reading. The tiny titans and she wound up picking a a drawing of catwoman it's in it's hanging in her room and it's it's the brubaker inspired costume of catwoman that's the one she finds the most interesting she has like a lego 
Catwoman motorcycle, right? And again, it's I already had the appeal of her, so I it kind of makes me feel good that that's my daughter's favorite interpretation of Catwoman. I don't necessarily want my daughter to see all these other interpretations of her, or at least, you know, they're all compared against the one that is the right one for her. So anyway, we actually have a drawing. So this kind of cartoony version of the Darwin Cook interpretation is kind of something that hangs in my daughter's room. Your daughter's seven. When we met, she wasn't, she wasn't even like an idea. I don't think that's crazy. They're little people, man. They're little people. And these little people will either have a Jim Pallant Ballant poster in their room or a Darwin Cook poster in their room. Right. So it's, it's something I'm kind of observing and thinking a lot more about because man, (laughs) some of the stuff that we consumed, (laughs) I think warped us for, for better or for worse. I think we turned so, out relatively okay. I mean, relatively. <laughs> so, Ryan, <laughs> would you recommend either of these Catwoman runs to any of your friends? Uh, probably not, because they're just not interested in, you know, superheroes. <laughs> I mean, if they're interested in superheroes, I mean, yeah, sure. If they're, if they're I can definitely see the Cliff Chang one, you know, being a, a hit. And, you know, maybe for a younger audience, right? Like... Somebody in their teens, I, I think maybe the Brubaker or it would, but either would, would work. You're not really into this sort of thing. I don't think, you know, either run will, will really convince you. Huh. You know, I, I think I think the Brubaker run, the first, call it 15, 20 issues, is great for non-comic book people. I think the Cliff Chang run, there's so much fan service in it. Like, you have to be into Batman. You have to be into that universe to enjoy it the brubaker run i think anyone could pick up and enjoy it yeah that's my hesitation with the the cliff chang run but you know i mean in a way a lot of what he's referring to is sort of iconic like we've seen Mm. the is it lee merriweather who was who was one of the she 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 was one of the three from the 60s i think yeah yeah, there's like a tip of the hat to the lee merriweather Catwoman, and you know but i enjoyed it as like sort of like somebody who's been steeped in these comics for on and off for a while but yeah, I'm not sure how it would play with somebody who is not comics agnostic. We should do it. We should try it. We should, we should test it. Give them, give somebody who doesn't care the, the Ed Brubaker run. Lock him in a room and say you can't come out until you read it, and give us your reveal, and appear on our podcast. <laughs> we can't go back, Ryan. We can only move forward because I have to ask. I mean, Ooh. we're moving our way through the alphabet. What are we reading next week? What is after C? It's D, right? D for below average. But we're not going to really read a below average comic. We're going to read Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. You probably know Doom Patrol from the TV show on, what was it, HBO? HBO Max? Whatever the streaming service is called. Um, I think that that's based heavily off of Grant Morrison and... You know, Doom Patrol is a group of really messed up superheroes. And Grant Morrison, in I believe the late 80s, brought his own unique and distinctly Morrisonian spin to that to that group. So really looking forward. We're gonna read, I think, probably half half of the Morrison run. Because it like most of these runs, they tends to weaken towards the end. So we'll read the good stuff. <laughs> Moving our way through the alphabet. Let's keep going. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. qtdcomics at gmail.com. Give you a social media handle, but we're old, and that feels like too much work. 
I'm Roman Segel. And I am and have always been Ryan Joe.
Selamat malam.